on the block on demand. This is on the block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You don't care for me. You're on the block. Just wanted to listen to Jimmy a little bit there. It's lit, as the kids would say. They still say that, right? Syracuse Buffalo Carrier Dome tonight. Big one. We'll certainly discuss more. Dino Babers is going to join me uh, a little over a half hour from now, the next hour of the program. Thanks, Brent. You, Coach. We'll uh, check in on recruiting, on the Camping World Bowl, on the contract extension, and we'll spread some holiday cheer from the On the Block text line which you can reach at 315-288-0644. Buffalo makes me want to puke. Thank you very much. Thanks to Jeremy White, by the way, from WGR, the mighty WGR 550 in Buffalo, for joining us to talk Bulls in a little. The Bills make me want to This little. Right now, meet with that fancy open. Let's do this. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. It's all presented by the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in central New York. Great place to hang tonight. Watch Syracuse Buffalo on ESPN2 if you are. Not going to be at the game or, of course, listening over on Brostat TK99 or here on ESPN Radio AM 1200. All the big games, great place to hang, catch up with people. You got the holiday season coming, right? People coming home from out of town. You want to get out for the night and just have a good time. The Press Room Pub is where it's at, kids, in historic Herald Square, downtown Syracuse. Now, we've discussed this in Hot Takes a few times, and it's it's strange to me, too, but I'll take strange that momentum for an eight-team college football playoff or some sort of expanded version of a college football playoff is taking off. There is a huge voice that has signed off to at least examining the idea, and that is Jim Delaney. Jim Delaney is arguably the most powerful person in college sports. Jim Delaney is the commissioner of the Big Ten. Jim Delaney was kind of ahead of the game in terms of television revenue, forming the Big Ten Network. I remember distinctly when people looked at that, criticized, and said, who's going to want the Big Ten Network and you know all these, and now the windfall of money that comes, $30 million plus per team, as a result of that, every big Power Five conference, with the exception of a couple, has some sort of network or has upped their television deal. The ACC Network comes in next year. Even in an era of streaming and Hulu and Netflix and, you know, kind of split media, new media, like that still means something to have your own linear television network. As long as you got, I'm going to get electric shocks under the desk from Bristol here, but a big fat entity like ESPN willing to do it, right? So here's what Jim Delaney uh, told Nicole Arbach of The Athletic and Stuart Mandel of The Athletic also wrote about this. For the past two weeks, we have felt like something of a bizarro world to those of us who remember the 16-year trials and tribulations of the BCS. 
Somehow, Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney, the man who spent decades opposing any sort of playoff in college football, now tells our Nicole Arbeck, quote, the Big Ten would definitely have conversations about expanding the field from four teams to eight. West Virginia President Gordon Gee, who in his former role as Ohio State's president, once infamously dismissed TCU and Boise State for, quote, playing the little sisters of the poor, is now taking up the cause of UCF, who we'll get to here in a moment. And seemingly in the span of a year, other prominent commissioners, like the Big 12's Bob Bowlesby, athletic directors like Wisconsin's Barry Alvarez, went from near-universal support for the current college football playoff format to lamenting its issues and calling for discussions about changing it. And as Stuart writes here, what on earth is going on? How did we get here? Well, we got here because I think they realized just how much money is on the line. I think they realized their college football playoff as it stands now is flawed. There's not enough good teams in it. The arguments are fun. The television show is great. But people are saying, I want more of this. And if you have a fan base that's telling you, I want more, I'll watch more, you need to do more of this, well, it's going to be hard for them to say no to that. I think what has got them over the hump, though, is while this has not been made public and we don't know exactly what this is, there has to be a structure there. There has to be a what-if clause. There has to be a ESPN has presented to them, here's how much we would pay for this, here's how we would do it, Maybe it might not be ESPN. It could be other entities that are involved in this, right? Follow the money is the easy answer to a lot of things in life. I think it's the answer to this. Now, they will use competitive balance and all sorts of things of that nature to explain this, but it is follow the money. It is even more money that the, air quote, student athletes will see none of, but that's a whole different topic for a different day, right? It is startling the abrupt left turn that a lot of people that have been staunch on this have taken. I don't know why that is fully, but I commend them for at least saying, we'll listen, we'll have conversations. Because I think they see that their model, while better than the BCS, and some would say the BCS actually wasn't that bad. It's just people didn't like the concept of computers deciding who plays on the field, and the BCS only had two teams which was just inherently ridiculous, no matter who decided that, a human being, a computer, a mixture of both, Pauli Sibilia, I don't care. Like, that was just dumb, and it's what made the BCS flawed. Four teams was better, but not enough. Eight teams, it's it's the old Goldilocks test. Is it too hot, too cold, or just right? Two teams was too cold. You go beyond eight teams, that feels like it's too hot. Eight teams is just right. Five conference champions, and then we figure out the other three. And because this is sports and we need to argue things and we need to have television shows to decide these things, if they want to have some sort of process to decide those other three, fine. Fine. I understand that. I wake up every day. I've got two hours of content to fill on the radio and in other places. So I understand the concept of, hmm, there's certain things that need to be discussed and talked about. Let's let other people chime in on this, but I don't want to get too encouraged about this. It's the old, you know, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it kind of thing. But once Delaney and think, look how, look, they're smart to do it. 
okay, I've been in the middle of this, you know, where I know I'm sort of being used as a pawn in the media to get a message out there. And, you know, sometimes that's good for Brent and I'll do it because it's, you know, it's just kind of part of what you do. You have a public voice. And if you have a, a voice that, you know, a few people listen to, we certainly thank you for that. You can at least influence is a strong word, but you can at least be part of the conversation. So by Delaney and by other people going to Nicole Arbach, going to the athletic, going to, you know, whatever entity it is, and in this case, it's the athletic, and getting that message out there saying, hey, we're open to discussion, and you just kind of watch it grow. Once Delaney signed off on this, now I think it's actually going to happen. That's hot. I was skeptical beforehand, but if he's on board, it's going to happen. He's got a lot of power. On that note, okay, this was interesting to me. We brought up Danny White earlier with Jeremy White, not related. Danny White, former AD at Buffalo, now the AD at Central Florida. And the argument about Central Florida and their inclusion in this college football playoff, or it should be, has been interesting. Ah, they're Central Florida. They don't play anybody. Look, You win 23-something, 24 games in a row in college football. Just put them on the field. Just put them out there. If, even if it's against Alabama and they get hammered, now we fully know because we watched a football game where it happened, not just because you think it's going to happen, right? So Danny White and the AD at Florida wanted to have kind of a series, a home-and-home home series, play each other somehow, some way on the schedule. That makes sense. And I don't want to read all the emails to you here. It's not story time with Uncle Brent, but it pretty much started with, hey, Danny White writing, I was excited to read that you're open to playing us in football. And we'd like to talk more about that. We're looking for a home-and-home home series beginning in 2021. To which Florida AD Scott Strickland replied, UF isn't in the market for home-and-home home or a neutral site game against non-autonomy five opponents. However, we would be open to a series similar to what we've agreed to with UCF. Southern Florida, right? USF, pardon me. Two games in Gainesville and one in Orlando. We are in need of a home opener for the 2022 season, so does that date work for you? To which Danny White basically replies, here's my middle finger emoji. How dare you speak of Central Florida in that way? Look, Central Florida has had a great run. I have argued strongly for them to have inclusion in this. It's They are the example of why I think we need a few extra spots in the college football playoff just because once in a while, a Central Florida, a Boise State, somebody comes along that just says, hey, boys, I know I'm not usually invited to this party, but I deserve to be this year. But you also went 0-12 like three years ago. So for Central Florida to be, you know, kind of flexing its muscle like they're a Power 5, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I do admire the confidence. This is the same school that declared itself national championship, na- national champion, sold T-shirts, had a banner, and the whole thing. It's, it's just, okay, simmer down, man. simmer down. Seth Goldberg is here, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to deliver sports information to you shortly. We've got more on Syracuse Buffalo. Certainly to discuss, Dino Babers is going to join me next hour. If you missed Eric Dungy on these airwaves earlier today, we'll listen back to a few things he said as well. Busy times coming up. Stay right there. 
This is On The Block with Brent X. You said it, voice man. It is all presented by Chocolate Pizza Company. Listen, guys, we've been talking about this all month. But I know you. I know you. You still haven't done it yet, have you? It's a week from today. It's a week from today. It's like all the music and the decorations and it's even snowing today. Like, look at a calendar. It's a week from today. All right, get on this. And our friends at the Chocolate Pizza Company can help you. Just stop in Chocolate Pizza, see all their creative chocolate, amazing creations, and you're all set. You're going to kill it at that office party. You're going to kill it in the stocking. You're going to kill it no matter who you give it to. Chocolate Pizza Company. It is one of the best gifts you can give this holiday season. Get on on there. Get on in there, baby. Get you some chocolate pizza. Not literally chocolate pizza. It's not literally like a pizza with chocolate on it. It's a chocolate pizza. Like, you get it? Get it? And they have more things than just, like, the chocolate pizza. But the chocolate pizza is delicious. We had one here at the Galaxy Media Company just the other day. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how much that I ate. I'm just going to kind of keep that to myself. Syracuse Buffalo tonight. When's the last time a December 18th game felt this big going in? Or I would say a mid-December to January 1st game. There's been a couple ACC games that have slipped in early December, or pardon me, late December, early January. Those never really feel that big, though. That first ACC game is always like Georgia Tech or something. And Wow, holy cow, Duke's the first ACC game. Like, yes, it's a crossover and it feels bigger, but it's like the start of the long journey. Like, okay, here we go, 18 games. Georgetown games feel big in December, but for different reasons. It's a rivalry game. This is a big game by the sense of what it means for not only short term that Syracuse has to Prove to people out there that, yes, they are indeed improving as a basketball team. That the center position can give you something. That Frank Howard is figuring it out. That O'Shea Brissett, while he has been, I think, ragged on a little too much by people at times, yeah, he's shooting the three too much. You don't want O'Shea shooting 45 threes at this point when he's at a 28% clip. You want him inside. You want him around the basket. You want him to do... What he did last year against Buffalo, as a matter of fact. Now, I don't think I want O'Shea Brissett at the free throw line 16 times tonight like he was a year ago against Buffalo, but what that shows is he was in the basket. He was inside. Buffalo put him there. By the way, he cashed in all 16 of those free throws because, say it with me, kids, hashtag free throws matter, as we learned the hard way on Saturday. O'Shea scored 25 points a year ago. It was more the type of player you need him to be. And we got Nick Perkins looming inside. You've got a Buffalo team that can play inside and out, as you heard Coach Beheim maybe a few minutes ago in the orange slice. I think the way Buffalo plays helps Syracuse tonight. What also helps Syracuse tonight is there's no getting around the fact that this is a big game that this is a better team coming to play you. I know what the odds say. I know what the Vegas odds say, but you know what Uncle Brent tells you about that. They don't make Syracuse a three-point favorite because they believe that. They do that because they want your money, and that's the best way to swing the money the other way. But Buffalo is the better team. 
at least right now, at 5'11". At about 10-ish when this game is over, we'll see. Because I think the way that Buffalo plays, they want to put up a shot quickly in the shot clock. They like to push tempo. They're aggressive on defense. They will come at you for 40 minutes. This wakes up a Syracuse team that needs to do that. That came into the Old Dominion game, a noon game after a week off, finals week, no students in the building, and a Syracuse fan base that was kind of distracted by other things, still thinking about the football team, still thinking about, oh, i got to get that thing for Grandma for Christmas. And, yeah, you go to the game, but are you fully engaged at the game? And then they take a 12-point lead, and you're like, okay, here we go, typical December Syracuse win, and then, well, we know what happened. So that woke them up. They feel how big this game is, not only in the short term, but as much as players will give you the one-game-at-a-time stuff, as much as Jim Beheim will give you the one-game-at-a-time stuff, they know. They are fully aware that having three non-conference losses, that's not a good thing. Because five of the last six times that has happened, they've missed the tournament because it sets a tone. See, the non-conference schedule has become more important than ever in determining your NCAA tournament resume. They look at all four months, whereas, you know, as recently as six or seven years ago, we even wondered, do you guys even look at the non-conference? They sure do now. And they've got net rankings for it. they got a quad system for it. And I've said this a couple of times, and I'll circle back to it briefly here. You can make a strong argument that the win that Syracuse had over Buffalo almost a year to the day is actually what kind of nudged him into the tournament. And we've all seen what Syracuse can do when you just get them in there, right? They were literally the last team in a year ago. They made a Sweet 16 run. Just get them in. But a fourth non-conference loss tonight, you have given yourself no room for error in the ACC because your non-conference slate will work against you. You got that Ohio State win. We'll see how Georgetown pans out. But to have, I mean, at least Buffalo is a air quotes quality loss, but to have Buffalo, Oregon, Connecticut, Old Dominion as your four non-conference losses, that's not good. Because now you have to go into ACC play. You have to improve. You've got to win up a couple of times. You've got to take care of business. And we know how tough that league can be. There's inevitably going to be three or four games that are toss-ups. Do you think right now Syracuse can be on the same floor with Duke? on January 14th and make that a competitive game when you're getting nothing from the center position, still waiting for Frank Howard to come around, leaning a little too hard on Tyus and Elijah. I think O'Shea will be fine. I have a belief in O'Shea Brissett. I think people have been too hard on O'Shea Brissett in some ways, as I've mentioned. But you need all four of those guys clicking on all cylinders. Now, a couple of things to look out for, not only tonight but generally. Do you get anything from the center position is one. Like anything. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm including Marek in that conversation, but I think we kind of have to because he plays enough there. But literally anything from Barama and Pascal. And I'm not just talking about on the offensive end. It's not like they've been totally devoid of doing anything on the defensive end or rebounding, but tell me they have a presence in the middle. Tell me they have a presence at all right now on this team. And I will tell you, you're wrong. All you have to do, and I read the quote yesterday, and you can look it up yourself. Chris Carlson got a great quote from Xavier Green. 
a player for Old Dominion on Saturday, and I don't have the quote right in front of me right now, but it was I read it on yesterday's show. It was basically like, yeah, we know we don't have to guard those guys. We can focus up here on these other players. And he said they're a guard-oriented team, but you're focusing on Elijah, you're focusing on Tyus, you're focusing on Frank and O'Shea, because Pascal and Barama do nothing to make you respect them. Marek sometimes does. So what you need tonight is, hey, we're here. We'll see what that is, but anything on the offensive end is good. But what they need to do is at least make Buffalo earn it. You're going to come in here, you're going to earn it. You're not going to let BJ, a B.J. Stith-like situation happen. Like on Saturday when he came out and scored 18 points, got some corner threes, and just, I mean, had his way in the middle of that zone. Frank Howard from one game to the next is slowly but surely getting better, but I think you're you're kind of waiting for that wow moment. What you're waiting for him to be is a leader. Tyus Battle is, in essence, the leader of this team. He's the offensive juggernaut. He's the guy you count on night in and night out to pour things into the box score. O'Shea is one of your better talents. Elijah Hughes has been one of the steadiest players out there. But what this team needs is a leader. And by default, the leader is the point guard. And by default, the leader is your one senior out there. So I think people are looking for that from Frank. And again, he's had his moments. He's not just out there taking up space. But if what I think you will see and you should see tonight, if it's not there, get him out, get Jalen in, and let's crank this thing up. Frank and Jalen should play. Jim Beheim said it on the show last week, and he was absolutely right to say it. They're not competing with each other. They work in concert with each other. Well, you got to be a little quicker to do that. You can't just defer to Frank because he's the senior and like no, you got to you got to go, man. Against this team, the way they push tempo, you do not want them to dictate the flow of the game. So if Jalen is willing to take it inside, facilitate the offense and can give this team a little bit of a spark quicker, you do it. This isn't like we'll wait till the second half to see how it goes. You got to move, you got to sub, you got to be a lot quicker in the decision-making department tonight to get as much momentum back as you can. And again, I think the way Buffalo plays will help Syracuse play that way. I feel like this can be the kind of game that's like the second half of the Georgetown game, that's like the Ohio State game at times. It's like, think of it when Syracuse played its best this year. It was a big game. It felt like a big atmosphere, or they were kind of pressed against the wall somehow. That's the other thing. You know what would be a nice surprise tonight if Syracuse came out of the gate strong, came out of the gate with their hair on fire, came out of the gate saying, this is our court, this is our building, this is a big game for us, and if you want it, you got to come get it. Because what Syracuse has been all year is a second-half team. And that's good that you can make second-half adjustments. That's good that you can kind of figure things out, come out in the second half, and grab control of the game. But that did not work on Saturday because Old Dominion shot 55%, crashed the boards, and Syracuse couldn't cash in its free throws. So I think that's what people are looking for. No one wants a loss, but I think what you are looking for when you go to or watch this game tonight is at least show me you're a fighter. At least show me, yeah, Buffalo's got the higher ranking, the undefeated record, 
They're the new kid on the block. They feel like, hey, we're, we're edging in on your territory. I think what Syracuse fans want to see tonight is kind of like, you know, the big brother, little brother thing. Like, just kind of remind your little brother, like, pop. And now your little brother, like, wins a fight once in a while against you or wins, like, a one-on-one basketball game against you. He starts getting cocky a little bit. You just go, pop. Just bop him in the nose just to remind him, I'm still your big brother. I think that's what Syracuse fans are looking for tonight. Not literally punching people in the nose, but just like, yeah, they're great. They've got Massenburg. They've got a team that beat Arizona last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a pow. We're still Syracuse. And you still got to earn this thing. And I'm just encouraged because not only do I like the, the, the matchup and the feel of a big game on December 18th, which is rare, I just like how Buffalo plays. Because I think it's going to result in da 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 a basketball game and not a 68-62 slugfest. Syracuse is averaging 70 points per game right now. I mean, no. Play basketball. And Buffalo forces you to do that. What a concept. All right. We've got more to come on that game, certainly. But we are going to shift gears next because... Caught up with a guy named Dino Babers today, head coach, Syracuse football. You'll hear that one-on-one chat next. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.